thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. Hey, before we get started today, I want you to say this out loud. Wherever you are and whatever's going on in your life, I want you to just stop or wherever you're watching, I want you to stop and say this with me. I believe that we will see. No, no, say it louder. I believe that we will see. One more time, loud and proud. I believe that we will see. I want you to hear that. I want you to believe that. And I want you to experience that because that is our declaration that we will see the glory of God. We'll see miracles. We'll begin to see incredible things happening in our midst because God wants to do those things. You know, this declaration is found in John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus is about to raise up Lazarus from the dead. He already knows that, but Mary and Martha are questioning him and they're saying, if you would have just been here, we could have, we could have seen him. If he, when he was sick, you could have healed him. But they didn't have a belief system. They didn't have something in their mind that caused them to be able to believe for resurrection. And Jesus stopped and told him, did I not tell you, verse, 11, verse 40, did I tell you that if you believe that you would see the glory of God? And that's what this is about. This is what this whole series is about. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. You know, out of the 37 recorded miracles in the gospel, those first four books of the New Testament that records and centers around Christ's life, John intentionally chooses only seven to talk about. And he tells us why in John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs, he says, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He says, not recording the book I'm writing right now. I'm not recording all 37, I've hand-selected seven. John, why did you do that? But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. John is saying there's so many other miracles. We said, I'm choosing seven so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. I am going to hand-select seven miracles of all the miracles I saw Jesus do, and I'm going to present them to you in such an orderly fashion that by the time we get done with all seven, he says, you can only have one conclusion, that Jesus is the Messiah. He was the Son of God. In fact, Jesus was who he says he was. John chapter 11, verse 47, we know that they were asking for a sign. They were trying to say, are you really who you, who you claim to be? Give us a sign. Well, John eleven forty seven, 47, the chief priests, the Pharisees, called together all the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? Here's this man, Jesus, performing many signs. They had asked for a sign. They wanted a sign. Jesus gave them many, many signs. And he says, if we go on like this, then everyone will believe in him. Why? Because signs cause belief in him. That's how it works, that there'll be a belief. There'll be a belief in God, a belief in Jesus. Now, if you joined us last week, then you know about this, but if you don't, Listen to me very carefully. We ask you to, to fill out a form, and that link is right now in the bottom, and it's you know in, in the feed. And I want you to click on that link, and I want you to fill it out quickly and let us know what you're believing God for. It's more than a prayer request. This is something that you sought God for, and you're saying, I need a miracle in my life, and I'm believing that God wants to do this miracle. We want to stand in prayer and in the gap for you and believe God for your miracle. So please fill that out. For this reason, I believe that the disciples all came together in this next part that we're about to talk about. It says, so as we begin our lesson today, Jesus 
first sign, his first miracle took place in the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And as some of you are, Jesus was there with his mother and his disciples. I, I don't know why they were invited. And maybe there's only five or six disciples at this point. We're not really sure, but that's what the experts say. And they were invited to this wedding. And here's what it reads in John chapter 2, verses 1. He said, on the third day of the wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus, mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Again, we don't know why. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Verse 4, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Nearby stood Six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 or even 30 gallons of water. In verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them all the way to the brim. And then he told them, now draw out some water and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tested the water that had been turned into wine. And he didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants had drawn the water and they knew that let me just stop for just a moment and just insert this because it's not in my lesson, but is it possible that Jesus was already reaching out to those servants that drew the water? I mean, they knew the miracle that had already happened. They knew what was about to, he knew what was about to take place and they knew what had already happened and what was about to transpire right there in this comment from the master of the banquet. And he called out and he says this, draw out some, they drew it out. And then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. Listen to this. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. The very first sign that they saw, they believed in him. Quickly, I'm going to give you three statements. Really, these are three statements that Christ had. The three statements... If you have a red letter Bible, then your Bible and red letter. Let's talk about the three statements of Christ in this passage. The first one is my hour has not yet come. That's verse four. If you're following along in the notion, you're filling in the blanks. I believe this speaks about Jesus's mission. Jesus understood his mission. He was the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The perfect spotless lamb of God that needed to be sacrificed in order for the world to be cleansed, to be purified. And Jesus was not that was not his hour his hour had not yet come the moment was the one that moment would be when he was suspended between heaven and earth on a cross crying out to his heavenly father saying why have you forsaken me that's where the sin of the entire world all that had ever been done and all the sin that will ever be committed was put upon jesus in that moment it caused him to cry out why have you forsaken me as his father turned away jesus felt the depth of our depravity in that moment. That was his hour. That's why he came. And he says, why has my, why are you calling me out? My hour has not yet come. Well, this moment, the wedding is not the hour, but it clearly sets in motion Jesus firmly on a path to be moving towards that hour, towards his mission. His mother falls up and she says this, do whatever he tells you to do. Can I just say that's great advice for all of us. For anyone who claims to be a Christ follower, simply do what Jesus tells you to do. Immediately obey whatever you believe God is asking you, whatever Christ is asking you to do. If he's asking you to do something, then do it. I mean, what is Jesus speaking to you about maybe right now? 
Is there something that has been left undone because of a delayed obedience? Or, or maybe the Lord is speaking to you even in this moment and he's revealing some things that he's asked you to do. Can I ask you to just take note of that right now? And as soon as we're finished here, go and obey the voice of God in your life. Put it to action. See that God won't come alongside you and help you fulfill what he's already called you to do. We used to sing a song that said, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy with Jesus, but to trust and obey. And it's still true to this moment. Jesus asked you to do something, then obey, put it to practice. Get out and do it right away. Don't delay and see what God is going to do in your life. His mother's words ring true. Do whatever he tells you to do. The second statement is found in verse seven. He said, fill the jars with water. And I believe, if you're taking notes again, this speaks to Jesus' mandate. And there's two important, I think, revelations that are found in this passage right here in this portion of Scripture. The first revelation in your notes is Jesus is the Lord of nature. You know, the usual process that it would take to turn water into wine or actually even create one is about 12 months you would plant the seed, air and water, and it would you know, germinate and it would grow into a vine. The vine would take a long period of time for it to produce grapes. You pick the grapes. All that process takes about 12 months. Jesus did it instantly. Changing one substance into an entirely different substance. Transforming something from what it was to something new. He's the Lord of nature. This is important because it reveals the creative and transformative work of Christ in our life. Remember, John's already set the stage for this. He's already set it up. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. The grape, the vine, you and I, everything that we see has been made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. He's the Lord of nature, but secondly, He's also the Lord of transformation. John intentionally recorded this, this, this miracle for a specific purpose. You know, all the other gospel writers leave this out, but John says, no, no, this is incredibly important because it shows not only is Jesus over nature, but he is the ruler of human nature. He has the ability to change the hearts of men and women. Man's nature can be changed by Jesus. We are his creation. In fact, the firstborn of his creation. We're the best of his creation. And because he is over all of creation, he can change us and transform us for all those who are willing to come to God through humility and come to God through repentance. He's able to come into our life and transform us. And unless we're transformed from our old self into a new self, we're just simply lost. John wants us to see that this 150 to 280 gallons of water that was turned into a sparkling wine is a part of a transformation that occurred not just there, but in our lives. I mean, whenever Jesus comes in our life, there's this marvelous new quality of life. It's like turning dull water into sparkling wine, adding color, flavor, and enjoy. What's the mandate? Well, John told us again in his preview. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The mandate is to bring people from darkness into this marvelous light. Jesus came to transform the lives of men and women, your life, my life, to transform us into a better version of ourselves, the version that he's created and designed us, that he dreams over us, the whole purpose that we're here 
on this planet to begin with. He gives life to everything that he touches. He turns the useless into the useful, the dull and colorless into sparkling and vital wine. He takes wasted life and he turns it into a fruitful life. We see it all through scripture. He takes this fisherman named Peter, a man of impulse, and he he turns him into rock solid character. He takes a, a fiery thunderbolt tempered of a man named John and turns him into the apostle of love. He takes a greedy tax collector named Matthew and he sets him to writing one of the most timeless gospels in the New Testament. He takes a demon-possessed woman named Mary and she makes her, she's the one that first heralds the resurrection. He takes Saul of Tarsus, the greatest menace to the Christian church, and turns him into one of the greatest missionaries the church has ever seen. And can I tell you that he is the same today? That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is still transforming lives and he can transform your life. And I don't know what kind of despair you might find yourself in. I don't know where you are right now and what your reality looks like. But I do know this, that God is no respecter of persons. That God knows exactly what you have need of even before you ask. That he stands ready and willing to assist. He's here for you right now. And he wants to come and he transform your life into a better version of who you are to who he's created you to be. That's what he wants to do. And it wasn't only the water that was being transformed that day. See, it was the disciples. Going back to the story in John chapter 2, verse 11. It says what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of signs. It's the first miracle. Which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. They were transformed in that moment. But here's what I want you to see as we look at it a little deeper. The jars that were used here were not just any kind of jars and they weren't just to be filled with any kind of water these were jars according to the text that were for ceremonial washing means this was holy water that was to be placed in them and and they were used to wash things in fact to immerse things into so those things once immersed would be set apart set apart for god set apart for pure and holy purposes And the Jews themselves even practiced this ritual on themselves, completely immersing themselves in holy water in a tub-like apparatus called a mikvah. And the water here represents life. He said, listen, there's new, this water is life. And it it applies, Jesus is applying this truth when he's talking in the very next chapter to John chapter 3. He said, verily, truly, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And how can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Listen to what he says in verse 5. Verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus speaking, no one can enter the kingdom unless they were born of water and of the Spirit. He's talking about this is born of the water. Water represents a new birth. It represents a new birth. And the outward sign of that is baptism. We'll talk about it in a minute. And then the wine symbol is, is a symbol, one symbol for the Holy Spirit. And listen, when new life comes in Jesus, the outward sign is water baptism. But when the Spirit, the outward sign of the Spirit coming is signs and wonders and speaking in tongues and miracles. And the first miracle or sign is a precursor to that which Jesus would say later. He said on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, I want everybody that can hear to hear this. Let anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. What did he mean by that? Well, it tells us verse 39. He, by this, he meant the spirit 
on whom those who believed in were later to receive. What is he talking about? That spirit of God that wants to come and bring a revival and bring a renewal and bring a transformation into your life. We see it fulfilled on the day of Pentecost and fulfilled in that fulfillment continued to be carried out all through the book of Acts and into today. And God wants to do miracles in your life. Please fill out that link and let's believe God together for a miracle in your life. Because I believe that God wants to bring you from birth into something special to pour new wine into new wineskins and to see the miracle working power of God happening in your life and in my life. And the third one is quick. The third saying of Jesus here is simply draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And I believe that this deals with in your notes Jesus' method. Don't miss this. Jesus said this, I want you to take some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Now stop and think about this for a moment. You know, Jesus could have prayed over the water himself to transform it. In fact, he could have just spoken over it, just like he did when he was calling out Lazarus from the grave. He could have done that, and it could have changed the water from the wine. But what does he do instead? It's a method that he's still using today. He uses others. He used others to draw out the water he uses others. He uses you and I. I mean, he could send angels to herald the message of the gospel. He could write it into the, into the clouds every single day that people would read it. He could reveal himself in so many other ways. But what does he choose to do? He chooses to include you and I in his plan of redemption. That once we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that we share that message with everyone that we come in contact with. Now our life takes on new meaning, new mission, and new purpose. That we believe and we take on the mandate that Jesus had, which is to take the gospel into all the world so that none should perish. That's our responsibility. In other, in other words, Jesus uses you. Uses you. And so when you're praying this week and you're breathing God for miracles, I'm going to be praying with you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to share the gospel with at least one person this week. I want you to pray up and I want you to say, God, I believe that you want to use me, that you're calling us, that you're including us in your redemptive plan. Would you use me to share the message of hope, the message of Christ, the message of salvation with one person this week? Maybe even ask God, is there somebody who's ready, white unto harvest, that I might go and maybe see their life transformed? See, that, I believe that God wants to use us in that powerful way. People are hurting right now. They're discouraged and they're going through a lot in their lives. And you and I can make the difference when we point them to Jesus. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're here and you kind of stumbled on a feed. Somebody shared it and you started following this guy and you didn't know what I was even. Can I tell you, this moment is for you. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's very simple. Or maybe you did a long time ago and you need to come back to Christ. Listen, God hasn't forsaken you. He still loves you. He loves you just the same today as he did yesterday and as he did years ago when you knew him. And he's simply waiting for you to come home. Just like the prodigal son, the father went to the end of the road every day and looked down the road. He's looking for his son to come home. And maybe you're the son or daughter today that's coming home. Would you pray this prayer with me? And believe in your heart, and I believe that God's going to come into your life, and you're going to see a transformation today. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart and life. 
I give you all that I am. I confess that I need you. I'm a sinner. Change me. Help me to live for you. And all that I do, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, there's a link that's right now in the feed. Click that. We'd like to send you some information, follow up with you, and help you understand the faith, the decision of faith that you just made today. Today is the greatest day of your life, but it's the first day of your new life. We want to help you live the rest of your life following Jesus. Thank you so much. I pray God's going to do great things through your life this week. Send in those links. Let's pray together. Let's believe God for miracles. And let's see what God will do. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.